Boots and Cats and Boots and Cats and Boots and Cats, PJ's Podcast. Welcome to PJ's Podcast, where we speak of the three things that matter. Uh, we have one of our favorite reoccurring guests with us today. We call him Pops, Sir Rob Mitchell. Dad, how are you doing? Good, good. Well, before we get into our uh, continued talk of dispensationalism, uh, we have to get our Cardinals update. How are the Cardinals looking right now? Um, why did you ask me? You could have asked me the Monday after they won two out of three, but no, you have <laughs> to ask me when they've got the worst record in the National League. Yeah, they're 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 bad. They're just five and eight. It's not that bad. No, it's bad, and and they're they're, you know, what I said at the beginning of the year, they got a great offense and they can't pitch their way out of a wet paper sack is, is holding true. Um, they have, uh, right now, uh, I think we still lead. We might not anymore, but we did at one time lead the league in hitting average, batting average. And our rotation is like 0 and 4 in the last – well, let, let me uh, let me read these. Uh, we lost ten to nine, four to one, nine to four. Right. We won that game, but we lost eight to four. And, but we came four back. To one. But yeah. we came back. We were down four to nothing or, or four to two, and came back on that game. Yeah. Yep. Five to two loss, four to zero loss, uh, six to one loss, seven to four loss, and then five to zero loss. And what's the um, score tonight? Can't. I think it's still zero, zero. It still still zero zero on the still six. zero zero. But so we've what, gone fifteen innings. We've gone fifteen innings without scoring because the yeah. last game was four to nothing. <laughs> yeah, it looks like our pitching is pretty bad. Um, but when our offense gets going, it looks like it's pretty good, right? We have uh, scored nine uh, nine runs against Toronto. Um, they got a great offense. Two, There's yeah, no doubt about two it. Two to three, one three to, one through nine. One through nine, we got a loaded, we got a loaded lineup. I mean, they got Tommy Edmund, who I love, that night. Yeah, that's how good they are. Mm. Well, so I want you um, talk about this Jordan Walker kid. I read up on him, <laughs> twenty years old, six six, um, just he a, just a broke, phenomenal athlete. He just broke uh, Ted Williams' record for consecutive hits on. 20 years and under. That's really? how good wow. he is. Yeah. Yeah. He's batting a, a 294, two home runs, eight RBIs, and an OPS of uh, 0.78. Well, what RBIs. I like about him is he's so naive. He has no idea what's going on. He just gets in front of the camera and he has this big, goofy smile. <laughs> like, I'm having a great time. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just enjoying the heck out of it, you know. And I just think he's raw talent. If you watch him, his feet fold when he hits. Uh, mm -hmm. He 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 bends over. You know, his swing is long and powerful, but it's funny looking. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and and in my opinion, what that is, that's just pure hand-eye coordination. Yeah. You're overcoming your physical, um, you know, disabilities, your your poor stance or poor swing, and you're putting 
your hand-eye on the ball. You're able to, to, to keep your bat in the zone long enough to get hits. And he does that terrific. And he hits the ball hard. He's not, he's not playing around. But uh, I, I just enjoy the kid because he's so much fun. You know, he's always got a smile and he's kind of goofy looking. He's just, you know, I'm having a just great enjoying time. the game. Yeah. He, he's, he's, he doesn't have any idea what he's doing. <laughs> well, Dad, if it, if it makes you feel better, if we win tonight, we will actually not be in last place. We will yeah. be ahead of the Reds. The, well, um, the Rockies, yeah. Right. The Reds for the Central. The Reds in the Central. For the Central, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, in other news, uh, Detroit Tigers are the worst team in the MLB. American, so okay, uh, yeah. we have the Pistons being the worst team in the NBA, Detroit being the worst <laughs> team in the MLB. Uh, more to just... <laughs> And they Keep haven't bringing... any pr- crime problem. <laughs> You're exactly right. So uh, another thing to Don't tally up on to Detroit. Detroit. <laughs> uh, Oakland also is 3-10. and 10, So well, um, look at... Uh, Tampa Bay, uh, uh, Tampa Bay uh, baseball thirteen team. and one. Uh, oh, they lost tonight. Okay, that's they did. They're, they're thirteen and one. Uh, they started out hot. I um, knew that was a freak. I knew that was going to be. Yeah, we had a conversation about that last uh, podcast. Um, oh, you did. Yeah, because I they have that. nobody. I mean, they have nobody in. Uh, I mean, nobody on the team. They'll, that they'll I've end ever up seen in the before. middle of the pack. You know, yeah, yeah, that's it, what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, overall, uh, it's just starting out. Cardinals don't look that uh, phenomenal, but I think it's early. Um, hopefully, we'll we'll uh, get some pitching in there to help us out. Well, I'd love to. Now, this is just me, and I hope that I don't hurt his feelings because he's built like a weightlifter. But as far as I'm concerned, you could trade. If I was, if I was uh, Mazaloc, I would trade Tyler O'Neill for a number one starter somewhere. You know, okay. Trevor, maybe Trevor Rogers or in in uh, Miami, great big left hander. I, I would get a pitcher because uh, we're going to be in trouble if we don't. Wayne Wright's going to come back and throw those eighty, you know, eighty mile an hour curveballs. And they'll, it'll just be, they'll be launched all over Kingdom Come. Well, um, I mean, O'Neill's batting 279, two home runs for RBIs right now. He's uh, hot. He's, he's hot he's right good. now. But, but you, well, this is just my philosophy. You have to have team chemistry. And Tyler, Tyler mm-hmm. did not run out a play at home play. He tried to preserve his, didn't he tried not to get hurt and you can't play that way. You will get hurt if you try not to get hurt. That's the way yep. it goes in sports. Every and time. Every time. And he just kind of dogged a play at home. And uh, I was so proud of Ollie. He, Ollie, about split a testicle he was so upset and i you know <laughs> those men are professionals and and they get their feelings hurt and uh you know in my opinion t- 
Tyler O'Neill is not a team player. Now that's just me watching him in the dugout and on the field. He's rather individually and self-absorbed. And I, I, the Cardinals have traded off historically have traded off a lot of players like that, that had great talent, but weren't team players because they understand that the, that the uh, clubhouse is really where your team gels. And yeah. So well, you're, me. you're not the only one that feels that way. I've read some articles that uh, Have you? there were quite a bit of Cardinals that were upset and in other news Cardinals did score runs. So that uh, hey! game is actually one to zero. Hey! <laughs> so uh, there's our Cardinals breakdown. Um, Let's get into some Jesus talk. What do you say, Dad? Okay, I love Jesus. That's good enough. Me too. And that's <laughs> the yeah, end you, of it. You got, yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Thanks, thanks thanks for listening. We'll see you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you have a you you have a focal point you want me to? No, just uh, uh, what we discussed on the phone. Uh, just uh you know, what dispensationalism has done with the church and where it's taken us and uh, oh, why man. we need to uh, start to get away from it. I, I'm, I'm going to get you some bad comments here with this talk. Fine. Okay. Can be the you first guys time, so it's okay. Jo yeah, join the club. <laughs> join the club. How thick is your skin? <laughs> You'd be doing something wrong if you didn't get bad comments. So we're we're okay. Well, you know, I, my feeling is that the condition of the church today is weak and anemic. Um, our old boomers are dying off, and save for this current revival, we were not bringing in youth. We couldn't attract a new generation. Now, the Holy Spirit has compensated us and helped us there. But, you know, there. I read... Uh, uh, Andy Stanley's piece on why he feels like the church is declining and he attributes it to leadership which is always true but that's a softball answer you know why isn't the leadership doing what it should be why aren't we attracting young people I mean, when I was a kid, you couldn't keep young people out of the church. You'd have to bar the doors. Today, we can't get them in with a vacuum cleaner. And I just think that it's all in the message. It's our theology. It's what we're preaching. Mm -hmm. What we're preaching and not doing. Well, see, I think this generation, Gen Z, you know, Gen Y, all the, the millennials, they want to see some real stuff. <laughs> They're not satisfied with just being yacked at. You know, we're good at preaching and teaching. 
we're not so good at expressing the power of God on the streets and in, you know, adverse situations. We're used to as kind of a soft sell evangelism. And I, I <laughs> that's just not going to work with this, uh, with this generation. And I'm thankful. I really am because when you get right down to it, the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, but about power. And if you can't, you know, if you can't, exorcise a demon for that's crippling a young say a young child who are they're completely susceptible to fear and depression if you can't lay your hands on them like Jesus did and drive out demons what are we doing we're pacifying that demon. We're just saying, okay, come to, you know, Sunday school. That'll make you all better. And it just doesn't work like that. You know, if people aren't getting healed and we're not experiencing the joy and fullness of God's kingdom, what are we doing? Waiting. You know, we've, we're yeah. We've got we've got social clubs gathering in their little places, singing a couple of hymns, taking up a tithe, and going home. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, personally, I'm tired of that. I want to be out on the street. But a lot of what you know has crept through the church is this: everything's going to get worse. We're headed for the end. Jesus is coming. A five foot five Jew coming, riding out on a white horse and slaughtering all his enemy. You know, I mean, we're waiting. Like you said, Rude, we're waiting for something to happen. And I heard a famous dispensational preacher say, why polish the brass on a sinking ship? That ain't it. Well, what does that do? Well, that takes us out of the streets. That means that we have intellectual meetings, that we don't meet evil with good, that we don't fight, that we just kind of try to convince people that the end is coming. You better get in church. And I, I hear this all the time. Is that this, is that a um, does that derive from dispensationalism? Oh yeah. In what way? Well, traditionally, the church has understood that when Jesus arose, folded up his tunic, rolled that boulder out, and walked outside. That all creation changed. Everything was new. Death was defeated. And now 
we have prosperity. We have grace and mercy to live victoriously. And from that point on, good overcomes evil, not evil overcoming good. Good overcomes evil. We're headed for victory. That's what the cross did for. That's what the resurrection of my Lord and Savior walking out of that tomb meant for the universe is from now on, we win. We're not waiting to win. We win now. We should walk in victory. We should be, demons should be afraid of us. You know, sickness should be at our command. We should overcome depression. We should overcome poverty. We should overcome so many things that we're accepting in, in, our, in this society. And I think we're raising up a generation that's just tired of that. I agree with you. They, they want to see something real and relevant. And, and oh, Lord Jesus, come. You know, not, not that he's coming out of the sky, just that the Holy Spirit be more relevant. Come, Holy Spirit. You know, fill us all with your presence that we might demonstrate the life that we have flowing within us. That's why simply doing good is okay. I've heard preachers talk about that, that doing good is just not where we're at. Doing good overcomes evil. Mm -hmm. in, that, in, in essence, enough of that, the result of enough of that overcoming produces victory. And I, I grant you, that we've got an uphill battle. I will give you that. You look at our ministry, Reuben, how many people, uh, uh, I'll bet 75% uh, have some sort of mental trauma. You can just see it in their face. Very prevalent, they yeah. They won't look at you. You know, they walk around with their head down. They never smile, you know. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. I want to bring joy to our community. I want to bring peace to our community. You know, Jesus is our righteousness. We already have that. But the connection between that and a poor gospel, which preaches, you know, abandon the earth and, you know, sit in a pew until you go to heaven is what's wrong with the church today. I, I, I agree with you. I think there's, um, you know, I read a study not that long ago that said that this time is there's actually more people that are religious, but the least amount of people going to church. Right. 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 And I think you you hit a couple of those reasons why. I think another major reason is we've been told that you have to become holy 
before you can start going to church, right? That before you come to Jesus, you need to clean up your, your act, right? And it's just, it's so backwards, right? Like you come to Jesus to, right, get clean, not get clean, then go to Jesus, well, look, right? look, there was look a, at the scriptures. Look at the scriptures. Peter, you know, Jesus selects Peter and he says, come follow me. What does is, what is Peter do? Peter falls on the ground and says, I'm a I'm filthy discernment. Right. Yep. Right. Yep. He says, yep. choose somebody else, you know. And but it's not too long later that Peter is winning converts, thousands of them. He's standing up on a balcony and preaching to thousands within two or three years. He's hmm. not waiting. He's not waiting for anything. Jesus sends him out after a year of discipleship. And, and he's, he sees miracles, you know, he sees great events. And, and the, I've seen some of the most powerful converts have been guys and girls right off the street. And their eyes, you know, are clear all of a sudden. And their, their mind is straight. And they run up to their buddies and go, you know, this is wonderful. <laughs> all, that's all it takes. Jesus loves you. you know, that's all it takes. It doesn't take a seminary product to properly evangelize. It just takes people full of the spirit. Well, that, that's another, that's another uh, issue that I have that I think is uh, that's uh, very a detriment good, yeah. Yeah. to the church is saying that you have to be, you know, go through a four year college <laughs> education or whatever to be a preacher. And I just don't think, I don't think that's right. I don't think credentials matter when it comes to uh, preaching and, and uh, teaching about Jesus, right? Uh, well, like you said, Paul, <laughs> Peter was was preaching to thousands and converting thousands within a year of, uh, you know, being with Jesus. Granted, that's, you know, a he was with he was with Jesus, right? Uh, it's a little bit different. But at the end of the day, you know, I think it's very detrimental to people who uh, are close with the Father, who have a very good understanding, and maybe who even Jesus has deemed to to go out and spread his word. And people look at him and go, okay, well, did you go to seminary? Well, then, then you know, I can't listen to you, right? Because you don't have the proper teaching. And uh, I, I, I tell think you that's what, very though, detrimental. Through, uh if people are hungry, like the like the people out there where we're at, if the people want to get well, they'll break your door down. But David yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just I, I I I don't know what I can do. All I know is I see the life of Christ in you. Help me. You know, that's what I tell people. The three, the three most important words on the planet are Lord, help me. You know, cry that out, and I guarantee there will be somebody there. That's just the love of the Father. Mm -hmm. You know. You're you're exactly right. Um, you know, I I think I think there's just there's multiple, multiple things that are going on that's keeping uh 
the gener our, my generation and the generations below me from from going to church, uh, what we have spoke about, um, but also just the lack of of the works that come out of the church that are preached to people, but then you know are actually put into practice in in everyday life. Right? I can't tell you how many people, uh, you know, love our ministry uh and confess that i wish you know i wish my church would do stuff like this and i think to bring it full circle around dispensationalism uh one of the number one priorities is making sure everybody has heard the word right they believe that uh the end will come once the gospel has been spread right to the entire world so one of their key points is to go overseas to africa and to all these native areas to spread the gospel. And, you know, I can tell you right now that, you know, 61st in Peoria is surrounded by multi-million dollar churches that are sending all their resources overseas while, you know, two miles down the road, there's major poverty, major drugs, uh, gun violence, kids, you know, just losing their lives for no reason. But they've sent all their resources, you know, 4,000 miles away. And I think this generation, the generation below me, is tired of it, right? I felt like Jesus always had a sense of community, right? Had a sense of taking care of your own uh, towns and cities and countries and different things like that. So that's one of the, that's one of the uh, fights I have to pick with the, ch with the church and the dispensational viewpoint. Well, I, I think if you uh, examine Christ's life, you see that what he, why he traveled from city to city was not just to preach, but to take the kingdom with him. The kingdom overcomes sickness, overcomes the, the, the demonic, you know, improves the lives of the community. Can you imagine if someone came to Tulsa and healed all the sick? What would that do? That would change our entire city. Yeah. You know, so let's do that community by community. Let's start at 61st in Peoria, have a successful you know, just campaign of overcoming evil, of, of defeating the darkness, pushing back the darkness. All right, start there. Have a little beachhead, so to speak. That's what we kind of call our ministry is a little bit of a, a beachhead um, where we can, we can plant our flag and we can say, come here. You know, you're safe here. We'll love you. We don't care about your mental problems mm -hmm. or your drug addict or your alcoholism. We'll love you and we'll help you overcome. And if we could do that all over our city, Ruben, we could begin to, to change the world. And I, I just think that our generation, you know, my generation, we were, we saw the evidence 
of Christ's power in the Jesus revolution. You know, maybe it didn't stick like it should have, but there needs to be a progressive sweeping of this dispensational thought off to the side and let the present power of God be made evident. I think that's what went, was is going on with Mario Murillo's ministry in the West Coast, with Kevin Reardon's ministry on the East Coast, with Catherine Crick all over the world. We're seeing the house being cleaned. There's a scripture that says judgment begins in the house of the Lord. Mm. That's what we're seeing. You know, two or three years ago, this deliverance ministry started popping up everywhere and, and kind of clearing the floor. The, I call it the John the Baptist movement when it goes unseen. But now that, <laughs> now that there's an in internet, it's hard to keep it under wraps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But still, you see the evidence of the Holy Spirit cleaning the house. Okay? What's he preparing for? Well, he's preparing for this revival that we're a part of. Okay? Exciting. And, and what that does is that brings in the presence of God. The problem is also it brings judgment to the house. Okay? The, the tough side of revival is the sweeping action. And you see it mm -hmm. in the church. There's leaders falling right and left. Christian, powerful Christian leadership are being exposed for their uh, infidelities. Okay? that That's what happens. Okay? But really... Deep down inside, it's a good thing because what we need are men with integrity, men and women with integrity. You know, there, there's a prominent, and I, and I believe it's true, uh, message being preached called the Seven Mountains, in which there's seven areas of uh, you know, specific talents and abilities like the business community, the entertainment community, um, you know, schooling, different, different areas, seven mountains that the Lord's trying to reclaim in our society. Now, my feeling is you don't have to have Christians running the government. I think that'd be great but it's just not going to happen. But what we need are people of integrity. We mm -hmm. need moral values. We need a restoration of right and wrong. You know, and, and you can do that in a loving, kind way that does not discriminate, does not persecute, and does not judge other people and you can and, and you can and the word of god will prosper and we will see 
the just individuals rise up who can take positions of power and authority and not abuse them. And and I'll tell you right that's now. It's a tall task, Dad. That's a tall we, ass. We do not have that right now. We have men mm -hmm. of moral um, interpretude. Is that a word? If it is, I, I don't know. <laughs> we we make up words all the time on this podcast. Oh, so I love totally it. Fun. I love it. I mean, I, I, I made up a word last podcast. And yeah, you did. Fine. <laughs> we, we, we might get into the dictionary if we're not careful. Yeah. Well, it, that's a that's a tall task, but Dad, I've I've been on this podcast preaching moral character and in political figures, right? That's one of the reasons I I don't support Donald Trump is because of his moral character, right? Um, you're one hundred percent correct, and I again I've been saying this: God is after pure-hearted men, pure-hearted uh, men, pure-hearted men, right? He says. Uh, you know, those, those who are pure hearted, uh, what inherit the kingdom is, is that the verse? Do you know what I'm talking about? In the Beatitudes? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think those are the people, uh, the fathers after to start leading, um, you know, our political arena, uh, but also start leading the, uh, religious, uh, community, right? Because, <laughs> It used to be, we used to have almost like heads of kind of the Christian movement, right? Billy, you know, Billy Graham was one of them. Um, well, look historically, George Washington. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're exactly right, and I can't think of one prominent, you know, teacher that I think is is doing the right thing, or you know what I mean, like. I just can't think of any. There's not a prominent Christian out there, right? I don't see a prominent Christian in our politics. I don't see a prominent Christian in, in any media sphere. Like there's just, and I think that needs to change. We have to find, like you said, uh, people with good moral character to start leading. Uh, well, I'd like to run Monty for governor. I would too. You don't I'd want to do that. that. I'd vote for it. You don't want to do that. No, no I, appreciate, I, I appreciate your support. Yeah, you got my vote, buddy. Uh, you know, I think we have to get rid of this dispensational thought that things are getting worse and bring in a kingdom view of life that things are getting better, that God wants to bring victory. He wants us to succeed. We have to have that mentality to overcome. And this, this cripple, you know, the condition of our church is a result of bad theology, not just mm -hmm. bad leaders, mm -hmm. but bad theology. And the Holy Spirit, quite honestly, is tired of it. Or we wouldn't be having a revival. Mm -hmm. That's part of the reason that he's coming down in, in the Gen C arena is to get a fresh start and raise up men and women of character. If you can get a hold of them, you know, maybe 10, 15 years from now, we'll have some quality leaders, mm -hmm. you know, and that's what I'm looking forward to because that will change our culture and be, we'll, we'll, we'll believe 
in victory. We'll believe in overcoming rather than be overcome. Yep. I think that's one of the biggest, biggest detriments of uh, dispensationalism is it doesn't breed victory. It breeds go hide until everything gets terrible. When Jesus preached victory, said it is done when he walked out of that tomb like you said everything changed yeah. everything changed we are victorious we're not going to become said, victorious right yeah he said we already won right so you're exactly right you're exactly and he brought the kingdom and that's what he preached and kingdom is peace joy and righteousness with the father it's not you know evil overtaking the earth um but that's what has been uh, that's what dispensational taught dispensationalism that's why we i have such an issue with it um and i think it's been very detrimental to us as we've spoke but but there's a light at the end of the tunnel uh that the movement that is happening now is bringing the kingdom to light as you said last time right there's tons of churches that are now preaching the kingdom the message is starting to come to light yeah so, if, you pay, if you pay attention and look what's happening. There's a lot more kingdom talk. A lot of kingdom talk. When, you know, 50 years ago, nobody talked about the kingdom. Nobody. You know, we just jumped from, you know, getting saved to going to heaven. That was the leap. Mm -hmm. You know, and now people are preaching Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That there's stuff to do between your salvation and your death. <laughs> you know, there are works to be done. In fact, there's lots of scripture. If you study, there's lots of scriptures that talks about the, the, the gifts of the Spirit are meant to prepare the church for works of service, just like Jesus did, come in and, mm -hmm. and make people well, <laughs> you know, love people, show them compassion, rebuild families. Gosh darn, you know, our families have been crippled. Yeah. But, but teach men how to stay home, how to love their wives, how to protect their children. You know, that's essential to raising the moral climate of our communities, you know. But if if we can't overcome addiction, you know, if we can't overcome the demonic, then, you know, we're just like every other good organization. <laughs> You know, we have to have power. Mm -hmm. We have to we have Amen. to see real change. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in anybody who's uh been in the presence of the father uh knows mm -hmm. what power feels like and and the love that that uh he surrounds you with. And I don't think a lot of people have uh felt that before. Right. I think you can talk to a lot of churchgoers who have been to church, but have never actually truly felt uh, the father lay his hands on 
uh, on you and be overwhelmed with joy and peace in the middle. You know, I, I, I've told this story before, you know, my son is dying on a, yeah. a an operating yeah. table and I have peace and joy uh, in that moment. That is, that's the father. And, and you know, you know, the second that it happens and you'll never have another feeling like that, but I don't want that to just be a one-off event. I want people to truly feel the presence of the father. And I don't think you get that without the kingdom, right? The kingdom has to be at the center of, of all this, right? Well, the, the kingdom is the realm or the platform exactly right. for which the church is laid. Okay. You have to have a domain. Who, who made the earth? The Father. It's his mm -hmm. domain. It belongs to him. He reclaimed it when Jesus walked out of that tomb. Yes, he did. Okay? It belongs to him. Who is he? Says in 1 John, he is love. What does he want? He wants to bring that love to the earth. Mm. He wants this earth to be full of his glory and there isn't anything better than having the father's presence in our lives i remember you know uh, you and your brothers all a couple of you were in your car sitting at a, a stop sign or a stoplight and you just felt the warmth of the Holy Spirit come over you. I know that Nathan was my was. that was my first encounter. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that's supernatural, you know. But we have to provide the environment. The kingdom provides the environment. That's why I'm so excited about our ministry getting indoors. Is we can wrap our arms around people and and tell them everything's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. It won't be easy. It's not, in, very rarely is it instantaneous. But there's hope. And if you will be faithful and pursue the Father, you will get well. And when you're yeah. well, you can overcome. You can just you know, rebuild families and take up leadership positions and be responsible. You know, that's one of the secrets of our ministry is putting some of these addicts that are clean and sober now, giving them responsibilities. Isn't that right, Reuben? One of the... They, they love of our, it. They love it. Ministry. Mm -hmm. They love it. Because that all of a sudden, then they see that I have worth. And before, mm -hmm. nobody's told them that. <laughs> you know, they've been raised in an environment of, of disregard or neglect or just plain hate, abuse. So they, they go to drugs, they go to alcohol, any number of things to cope with those feelings of rejection. And if you can come to somebody and wrap your arms around them and say, you know, I love you. 
first. You say, I love you. Then Jesus loves you. Then that becomes real to them. And the kingdom of God is the platform by which we do the work in the earth. It's not just church. It's the kingdom of which the church is a part of. That's good stuff, Dad. Well, um, we're going to bring you back on in a couple more weeks to talk more of, of the kingdom and what we have to do as a as a as a group to help spread the kingdom message and bring people into it. But what I'd like you to do before you go, will you just uh, give us a quick prayer and then, um, you know, Monty and I will finish up the, the podcast. Okay. Come Holy Spirit. Come and fill those listening. Father, make your presence real and evident in this earth today. Show us yourself, Lord Jesus. Show us your work. And bless those that receive. Bless those that will hear. Bless those that will do what you ask and what you want. Father, I thank you so much for these young men to step out and pursue the good, the right, those things that will change the world. I just ask your blessing to be upon this program and to be upon those listening, and to be upon the families represented. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Thanks, Dad. I love you. Okay, we'll love you guys. Talk to you here in a couple weeks. Thank guys. you. <laughs> okay, see you, Monty. Love you. Yeah, can't wait to have you back. All right. Well, that was really good. I always love having yeah, him talk. Right. That, that, that's like I said, uh, I say it every time, like just like his passion and you can tell how much it just means to him. And like, I, I, I love just hearing him talk because like it means something, you know, and like tons of people talk about this kind of stuff and you can tell that it's just words, but um, you know, you know, it actually, it's more than words with him. And so that's, that's awesome, man. So um, if his voice can help make a change and, someone's life you know like he like you know we're doing his our job and he's he's definitely doing his job i agree with you i agree with you all right man let's roll into some sports let's uh let's hear what we got going on what what do we have going on well the thunder um, are playing i know that the, yeah, yeah the thunder the thunder are playing um they are losing right now, but earlier today, Miami clinched the eighth seed uh, with the one hundred two ninety one win over the Bulls. Mm -hmm. So uh, the the Bulls are out. And then Miami um, will play the Bucks up next. So Miami season's over too. Yeah, <laughs> basically, <laughs> no shot whatsoever. <laughs> right? It's like it's like yes, we won. Oh, we play the Bucks. Dang it. Uh, speaking of the Bucks, uh, the M MVP finalists have been announced, and the Greek freak uh, Gi uh, Gi Giannis has, and uh, Embiid and Jokic have all uh, um, been named NBA finalists. So, I mean, is this weird to you that like so all three NBA finalists are obviously like foreign players? You know, they they grew up playing in Europe and came mm -hmm. over here to apply their trade. You know, mm -hmm. like where 
where is like the American game gone wrong where the, the people who dominate this league, you know, started out playing in Europe? I, I don't think our audience is going to like my answer, but I think it's LeBron James yeah. a little. Our, our audience never likes your answer. <laughs> <laughs> I think it started with LeBron James. He made the game soft, right. flopping everywhere, uh, trading teams, uh, going mm. and searching for titles with, you know, uh, some of the other greats. Um, I mean, think of, I can't think of any really uh, loyal and really old style basketball players that are in the NBA that are from America. Right. I right. mean, I, I, I don't see it. And I think uh, if I'm going to hold somebody responsible, I'm going to hold LeBron James responsible for that one. Um, I think, I think he was such an iconic player and uh, the generation that is now, now that we're seeing in the NBA, um, you know, it's not the Michael Jordan era, right? It's the LeBron era. So we got a bunch of whiners and a bunch of people flopping, taking 30 free throws a game, all this different stuff. And uh, I think these three players that we have as the MVP finalists are, um, I, I don't think you could say any of them um, flop. Uh, all of them go as hard as they can every single game. Uh, they're leaders uh, on and off the court, right? Um, mm. So if I had to put my my finger on it, that's where I'd put it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely think, you know, the the creation of the super teams definitely put a, a dent in that. Right. And then obviously you, you can probably attribute uh, LeBron for helping create the super teams with his, you know, I'm taking my talents to South beach talk, you know, um, that he had to announce, you know, um, so like him and D Wade and all those guys down there. It's definitely it's MVP. Started. You stole my question. Uh, Cause I knew I it was know, coming. Like, like, I know. I, ooh. Um, what, what, Jokic, what, Jokic, how do you pronounce his name? He, what, he's Jokic. won it the last two years, right? So, uh, um, so yeah. This is, so this would be three in a row for him. Uh, I mean, the Greek freak is obviously he's amazing. Uh, but I mean, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go and beat on this one, man. Uh, I think the Greek freak wins it this year. He's, I think he's been the MVP last couple of years. Um, yeah. You know, he, he won a title. He's, you know, first in his division. Uh, they've had right. a solid team with nobody else there. I think he's the the MVP. Um, although Embiid's had a great season, right? Nothing to, to uh, you know, discount him. Uh, I just think the Greek freak has, has had a better year. I mean, yeah. he can't get keep getting stubbed, right? I think he needs to win it. Um, right. And I think, I mean, I think he's got the best shot of winning the title this year too. So, right, I, I put yeah, I put I, him him in in the winners bracket. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I mean, just looking at his team, I'm like, how are they first place? And this team, I mean, like Chris Middleton. You ever heard of him? Uh, last year or the year that they won the championship. That's about it. Yeah, you haven't heard him from this this season. Uh, Drew Holiday, I've actually heard of him, but not, sorry, I think since college, maybe. Uh, Jay Crowder, Brooke Lopez, uh, his brother, which I think he's just on the team to keep the Greek freak happy. Uh, 
Grayson Allen, who's a little punk from Duke, if you remember him. Uh, um, I, I I just I don't know any of these guys, man. So it's it's crazy what Milwaukee's doing. Um, and like you said, they they have a great chance of winning the whole the whole thing this year too. So, yeah. Well, I um, do need to correct you on it's the Nuggets, not the Jazz. By the way. Wow. Uh, okay. Well, sometime you know the fact checker's wrong. <laughs> and the nuggets or, or, the nuggets or are the number one are. seed where's the where's where's the jazz sitting at right now uh i think jazz are fourth? did they even make the playoffs where are they fourth are they in there or no the, i don't even think the jazz made it then so i don't even, I don't the even jazz know made how it. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Jazz is sitting twelfth in the in the West, so yeah, I think that definitely that definitely takes him out of the MVP race. I think, um, for what I think got traded. Hold on, let's look at this. No, he's on the Nuggets. Nuggets are number yeah, he's, one. Yeah, he's on the Nuggets. So there, so there you go. He is number one. I said the wrong team. We'll just edit this out later. No big deal. Cut it. Uh, cut it. <laughs> cut it out. <laughs> Oh man, but yes, he's on the Nuggets and they are first in the West. So it'll be interesting to see who gets it. Um, they're both awesome players. They both definitely carry their team. So we'll definitely um, pay attention to that. Um, Thunder update: They're losing. They're losing bad. It's not good. Yeah, I know. I know. I've got it on my other um, screen. Do you really? Uh, RBC Heritage is going on. Have you been watching that? Uh, I've been reading a couple articles about it. Yeah, did you see how Rory basically forfeited $3 million by not, not playing in it? Well, he's got enough money where, you know, $3 million is nothing to Rory. Uh, right, right. I think I think the master... I, it, I think we're going to see Rory go down a path here. Okay, I'm going to make a prediction. Yeah. Right? Well, I like this. I like this. He was awful at the masters yeah right he looked terrible and if you listen to him before the masters his get he was hyped hyped his game up right saying Mm -hmm. that he's playing the best he's played and he just looked you know god awful got beat Mm -hmm. you know the course just just whooped him up so i think he's gonna go down a rabbit hole here in my opinion Mm -hmm. I think mm-hmm. Rory's going to fall off the map for about six months, six months or so. But I tell you what's going to happen. Keep your eyes open for next year. I'm, I, my prediction is next year he takes down one of the majors, if not two of them. Because he's going to mm-hmm. go down a rabbit hole here, and he's going to fix whatever issues he has. Because, I mean, if you listen to Rory, Rory isn't one of those guys that's satisfied with just – getting second or third or oh, he placing. Wants to win. He wants to win. I think his eyes yeah. got open, right? He's, his game is not where it needs to be, but everybody knows who plays golf that when you go down these rabbit holes, you suck for about six months, right? You're God awful, right. but your body gets used to the changes and it starts to come around about eight months to a year. So that being said, I think he he's going to fall off the map, but he's going to come back uh really really good next year yeah that's what, my prediction. Uh, what part of it 
what part of his game do you think he's missing? Do you think it's just psychological right now? Do you think he's just not hungry? Like, what what do you think um, it'll take to get the old old Rory back? Well, if you look at Rory's swing, he has uh, some of the best timing that you'll ever see. Right? Mm -hmm. um, there's there's two ways to basically hit a golf ball. Tiger, you saw Tiger Woods do both of them and be highly successful at it. Right. He won right. four majors uh, flipping at it at the end, which which Rory does. Um, and he made a swing change where he no longer flipped at the ball. He kind of turned into it. Right. He didn't flip yeah. his hips out like this. Right. And then turn over the right hand to hit the ball. And when you do that, you flip your flip your your uh, hips out and then you kind of flip at the ball at the end of it. But to be consistent, you have to have great timing. Roy's had he's getting mm. older right getting a little bit slower mm. with the hands and different things like that so he's gonna have to go to more of a tiger you know rotate around and more have a, a solid hand placement in my opinion right instead of flipping at the ball and that's gonna take some time but once he gets it down I'm telling you he's gonna be top notch because and on on top of that he needs to get his putting um a little bit better he's always been a little bit flimsy with the putter uh he's changed mm. putters here and there he went to the spider and he's you know done other stuff um so i i think he'll work on those two things but really i think he's going to make a mechanical change to his swing uh because you can't just rely on timing and expect to win every single time so that's uh, that's what i think is gonna gonna take place I mean, he's always had great hands. He's always been good around greens. Um, mm. I just think his his timing's off. His body's getting a little bit worn down, and he's going to have to change something. Yeah, yeah, for for sure. But I obviously, like, I'm a I'm a Roy fan, so I'm I'm going to be rooting for that comeback. Um, so we'll 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 see we'll see how 2024 has in store for. for Roy I've got or... him up there as having a big year. So yeah. Nice, nice, nice. So uh, obviously in, in the RBC, uh, Jimmy Walker is 12 under after the, the first two days. Um, and there's three guys tied for second with that are nine under. Uh, and there's what, five or six guys that are tied for fifth. So the pack is still tight. Uh, the Masters winner, John Rahm, is sitting at six under. So he's still striking distance. Um, when you win a master like that, do you, I mean, do you fall into a hot streak or do you usually go into a, a little bit of a lull because it was just so taxing to, to win, to win the master? I'm surprised. I'm surprised John's even playing in this tournament. I figured he would take a week or so off. Um, yeah, he was back at it, but he's back at it. And that's one of the things that everybody loves about John Ryan is he loves the game of golf, right? Yeah. He, he loves it. You see Scotty Scheffler still up there at the top. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Victor Hovland, who was hot at the Masters, is up there. Xander Shoffley was hot at the Masters. Uh, I don't know what Jimmy Walker's doing up there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's that's really yeah. surprising, especially with the people that are trailing him. Tommy Fleetwood, John yeah. Rom, Justin Rose, Scotty Scheffler, Victor, Patrick Cantley had a great round. Right. Those are a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of hot sticks uh, trailing Jimmy Walker. So I think I think he'll fall. Um, but it's hard to uh for john it's hard to uh keep the momentum going after such a uh a moss like a monstrous win right i don't mm. think he's necessarily in the mindset of i'm gonna go take down five different tournaments right he won the masters 
uh, he can win this and nobody or lose this and nobody's really going to give a crap, right? Um, I think it's more important for somebody like Victor Hovland to win or Scotty Scheffler to win to show that he's still on top, somebody like that. Mm. So I would look out for for Scotty Scheffler to make a run and uh, maybe even Cantley to make a run at this. But I don't think John Mm. Rahm's gonna gonna be up at the top at the end of the day. Yeah, Canley had a great round in the Masters, so uh, I'm glad that he's carrying that over um, in, into this week as well. So, um, yeah, Sky Scheffler, like he, he needs he needs to he needs to win himself one too. So, we'll yeah, see. I think we'll he needs his happens. confidence boosted after getting hammered at the Masters, right? <laughs> I, yeah, I think he does, yeah. man. Absolutely. Uh, last, like, kind of off the mark thing, uh, DK Metcalf. We all know DK was. Uh, in an interview earlier today and they were you know talking about next year and talking about the Seahawks and he made a bold prediction saying he's the fastest player in the league Ooh, better what tell that to Tyreek Hill son I don't know what yeah, the hell there, he's there's thinking a guy, there's a guy that has a nickname that literally says cheetah all right so like uh these boys need to line up uh and then they, need, they need to race each other Monty how fun would that be to see oh, see be... the smallest wide receiver take on the biggest wide receiver right right two right. Co- i mean two completely different wide receivers right you know dk right. metcalf looks like a greek god out there just towering over yeah. every cornerback yeah, that just... lines up against them just manhandling them and then you got tyree kill who just outruns everybody like nobody can right. touch him right and just i would love Boy, I would love to see that. See those two line up and and take off. Uh, I think Tyreek Hill is the fastest player in the NFL, no doubt. Um, yeah. Although I've never really seen DK Metcalf run, uh, you know, a forty or anything like that. So he may be fast, but he's not yeah. touted as like a really really fast player. So. Right, right, and obviously you see DK size, and so I think like. And like, you know, he's walks around with his shirt off and the guy's just jacked, you yeah, know? Ridiculous. And so I don't think, I, I think people are like, just don't look at his speed or think it's underrated. Uh, but I pulled it up in the 2019 uh, combine here in a four, three, three forty. And I don't know if you remember the game against uh, the Cardinals, right? When uh, Peter uh, Buddha Baker intercepted the ball. Oh yeah. He ran, down the <laughs> ran him down, dude. And, and he would just, he's like, just, he just ran him down from out of nowhere and caught him. So, uh, but yeah, DK ran a four three three. Tyreek ran a four two nine. So they're off. They're close, pretty close. Man. But I mean, That's I still close. think Tyreek would get him though. I, I still think Tyreek would get him. I do too. He he is just Tyreek is the fastest man on the planet. Uh, he is yeah for ridiculously sure. fast. Uh, although it would but, be a good matchup. I, I'd actually like to see that. Because that, I mean, that what you're talking about almost put, uh, you know, DK Metcalf on, on the map was that highlight where he ran that dude down, <clears throat> right? Yeah, I mean, that's when he came on the scene. That one highlight was one of the things that brought him into light because he wasn't a touted, wasn't touted as this great wide receiver coming out of college or anything like that, as far as I can remember. Right. I remember seeing that that highlight and going, who the hell is this guy? Right? He's a monster. <laughs> right. right? That that yeah. quarterback must have just been freaking out, you know, thinking this six foot nine, you know, 270 pound wide receiver coming full speed at me. Uh, but 
then all of a sudden he kind of came on the scene and, and had a great season, but he's never been touted as this, you know, outrun, run streak down the field, throw it as far as you can type of player. So right. if he thinks he's the fastest person, I'd love to see it. Yeah, I, I mean, I say put your money where your mouth is. Let's line them up and let's go, you know. Let's do it. <laughs> let's, let's do, do it. it. Let's let's meet at South Beach. You, you know Tyreek's down there. Let's 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 make it happen. Did you see Tyreek Hill run in the I mean, he ran in an actual like uh track and field event. I mean, I'm sure it so, was like a rec league or something like that, but Right. I mean, he so still like he ran, put his he actually did put his money where his mouth is and <laughs> went he, to a track and he, field event. He he did, and so it's kind of cheating because he ran like in the masters division for like his age group, right? And so like basically, it's like it's like dads who were fast when they were like in high school, right? You're like, oh, I was on the I was on the track team in in the twelfth grade, you know? And so like, yes, at one time they were fast, but they're they are not Tyreek hill fast and so he blew that field away so dk metcalf um obviously my dad's a big track guy he ran track stuff like that so i think dk metcalf actually like entered like a professional uh track meet uh, and he was in one of the heats and i, I want to say like he ended up running he ended up being like dead last um in this meet but like really but like you're, <laughs> but you're right you're running against like world-class sprinters um but like he tried to enter it, but yeah, he he did not. It did not work out well for him. That's hilarious. I would love to see, see that video. I, I would see love I to see that video of DK Metcalf just getting absolutely slaughtered in a real yeah, uh, track meet. Uh, oh man! And he won. He ran a a ten ten point three six in the hundred meters, is what I'm reading. Uh, and do you know what Tyreek Hill ran in the hundred meter? I don't. I don't know. Hold on. Because I, I gotta say, Tyreek uh, Hill was faster than him. Uh, oh, for sure, we can find it. Hold on. So let's uh sixty meter. In the sixty meter, yeah, so he I, ran uh six point seven. I threw a link up for you, so check that out. Let's see. Let's, Let's see. just take a look at this. Which one? Yeah, the second the last one. one. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Let's see. Does it actually show him getting smoked by? Oh yeah, my real track and field yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, so it says Ty, Ty, Tyreek ran a nine point nine eight a hundred meter. Jeez, the Okay, that, that was like that. That's his fastest time, but it was it was wind aided. It was like it was a five mile per hour wind at his back. So oh him, but, yeah, oh my gosh, two time <laughs> two time world champion. He's running against here. Yeah, no, like as he 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 literally running against like world class sprinters, not not what Tiger Eek did. Yeah, these uh, all look like professionals. Uh, let's see. Oh, so, go, yeah, yeah go he, like... gets, he gets dead last. <laughs> oh, In you his watch face it? after, yeah, his face after is like holy crap, dude! <laughs> like, like these guys are fast. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh man, you should see his face. His face at the end just uh, he's walking around like holy cow, like I thought I was fast. He's got just beat the crap out of me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's he's funny. like uh that's funny. Yeah, I, I think I, I think Tyreek takes it down pretty easily. But I think Tyreek uh just for entertainment, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see if they would do something yeah. like that. Yeah. But uh let me see if we, I can find let me see if i can but so like hold on i want just to like make it clear uh uh i was gonna see if i can find tyreek's like to compare the talent that tyreek ran against compared to oh yeah just dk not even close dk's running against two-time world champions uh yeah you know tyreek hill's running against a high school graduate so it's yeah, definitely it's, a, big, a big difference yeah big big difference so um uh, anyway but i would love to see it let's line it up and let's let's go head to head and let's let's end the debate of who who's the fastest player uh in the nfl i agree with you i agree with you well uh just a little update just started the third quarter uh thunders down 13 points so oh 13 yeah, I don't think it's going to be our year, but it is what it is. A big run. Got to need a big yeah. run. Well, um, back from that. Let's let's go into the politics. Uh, not a ton of stuff going on, to be honest with you. Uh, Joe Biden just got back from Ireland. Um, you know, had a bunch of gaffes in in uh, <laughs> in that round. Uh, he said, "Let's go lick the world," uh, which was kind of funny. Uh, have you seen that video? I think it's funny because that, but for that it, it's funny even more so because you see what the the Dalai the Lama Dalai did. Lama did. That was creepy. I'm sorry, dude. Look, when he told that guy that like, that oh, anyway. one dude that one video of him telling, like, okay, it this just creeped me out, man. You got the Dalai Lama who's supposed to be you know one of the greatest. Uh, let's say uh what a, a moral person is that a good allegedly. assessment yeah allegedly yeah. and then tells a kid to suck his tongue like what the hell hmm. just happened like seriously Man. not like he told him he told him to like hug him and then give him a kiss on the cheek and then yeah. kiss him on the mouth and then suck my yeah. tongue the Suck Dalai his Lama. tongue, right? The creepiest thing I've ever seen. And, so, and, and the kid did it in front of like tons of cameras, in front of tons of people. Like, what are we doing? What are we but, doing here, guys? But and but I know Biden definitely didn't do it on purpose. But to me, I was like, oh, he's just trolling right now. That's pretty funny. He's just, he's, let's go. He's just the trolling the Dalai. Golly, um, oh man. But so really, Biden and the Dalai Lama got beef. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> it's either that or they both like little kids sucking their tongues. Uh, Biden <laughs> just likes to smell the hair. He just likes to sniff them. Dude, we should show videos of him. Just have you seen the video of him just like creepily touching like little girls and stuff and like whispering in their ears? It's a weird. Dude, like thing. my wife, like my wife played me like a a YouTube compilation that lasted like yeah, I don't know, I ten know. minutes. And I'm like. I'm like, okay, turn creepy. it off, turn it off. Creepy. I don't so want to creepy. see it anymore. I get it, uh, I get it. He's creepy. I get it, okay? 
really, really, the only thing that that came out, uh, they did find, you know, the guy who leaked the files. Um, yeah, I saw that. 21-year-old kid in the yeah. uh, reserves, I think is what it was, mm-hmm. uh, to me just shows that too many people are seeing classified documents. There's no reason that this kid should even have these documents, right? right. It, it shows a lack of uh, responsibility with uh, classified information, right? How this kid mm-hmm. was even involved in any of this uh, information is beyond astonishing to me, right? right. Uh, he had nothing, nothing to do with it, no reason to have it, but somehow he still had all these classified documents. Right. I'll be interested to see like when he goes to court and then just kind of see like through the discovery of how he was able to attain this because you're right. He was a 20 year old airman with the Massachusetts uh, air national guard. So like, obviously like you're not in the white house. Right. So like, how are you able to obtain these documents? So I'll be interested to see like how it all went down. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um, so the, the other news that I really wanted to get to is there was a report that came out uh, from OMG News, and it was... OMG. A, OMG News. Uh, and basically what it is, is he talked to women uh, incarcerated in prison that are mm-hmm. now having to sell with men claiming to be women. And they're getting mm-hmm. raped, they're getting abused, and everybody is just kind of standing around uh, not knowing what to do. Because if you, you know, kick them out of the of the women's cell, then you have all of the, you know, uh, trans activists coming and saying, you know, he is a real woman and all those different things. So I wanted to get your take on this. What do you, I mean, Gavin Newsom in California signed a bill that said, Men who identify, men inmates who identify as women are going to be housed in women's prisons in California. Good or bad thing? Mm. Um, I know, probably I'm going to get some, some, some slack for this too. But I mean, I think it's, I mean, obviously it's a bad thing in my opinion, right? Um, we've talked about this many times before. Um, we even talked about this like in the context of sports, you know, uh, biological men are just built different because of testosterone and and everything it, that their body naturally produce produces that like obviously they're going to be more stronger more dominant um, than the than the biological women that they're sailed with so yeah like so who's going to end up running that prison it's going to it's going to be those people because they have the physical advantage to you know to like like you said overpower these women to, you know if they want to rape them you know they have the strength and the ability to do so like who's going to stand up to them and tell them they can't do something because i mean they they can't because biologically women or, or men are just stronger you know um than than women like because of the testosterone factor so i mean like so obviously like to me that's an awful idea and, and you're going to see i think female prisons um becoming like, conditions becoming a lot worse if if this if this takes place so um, oh, it's already it's already taken place uh over the last five years or so adam graham was convicted of raping two women uh said he was a man right. and was sent to an all-women prison in april 2022 
a transgender uh, Rikers inmate raped a female prisoner uh, while in the women's jail in February 2020 mm. in Illinois. Uh, there was a male inmate who identified as a woman who's been convicted of raping a female inmate. In April 2022, two inmates serving time in New Jersey's uh, only state prison for women became pregnant uh, after having sex with a transgender inmate. Um, there was a, um, an inmate in Washington Correction Center for Women uh, who said, we have men rapists, men murderers, uh, child rapists, uh, men who have killed women, and they're in the prison raping and killing women within the prison. And they're celled right. with them. Right? So yeah. there's a point where all of this, you know, transgender stuff, has, a line has to be drawn. And this is another one of those lines where it needs to be drawn here. Because not only um, are we housing <laughs> rapists with women in these correctional facilities, but we're allowing them there. The federal penitentiary in California, in Dublin, California, the nickname for it is the rape club because there's so many men inside that women's prison housing mm. units, right? This is an issue. Um, and I don't think there's any circumstance uh, that should be allowed men to be in women's prison cells right it's a violation to every woman uh in those in those prisons to have to sell with a known male rapist that's what's going on and now mm -hmm. you know like governor uh newsom signed a bill saying hey this is what we're going to do in california we're just going to let rapists say that they're women and then we're going to house them in the female prison, right? There has to be a line, Monty. There has to be a line. This is where I draw the line. It, it cannot keep going on like this, but it's it's happening. It's happening all over the place. And if you, uh, you know, come out and say that uh, you're a, a woman when you're a male inmate, you get that entire, you know, group to circle around you and say, that he has to be put into a woman's cell because he is a woman, right? So this is kind of where those lines start to get blurred a little bit. Um, but we need to bring this stuff to light. I think the the article that came out was uh, really good. He had on two two inmates that were literally being housed with uh, males. Uh, one of them said that, you know, she walked into her cell and there was a man peeing in her bathroom, right? Because the, the toilet's in the cell with them. Right. They, they share, right? they share a toilet. They, yep. And she couldn't do anything. They, put yourself in that. Yeah. Situation. She couldn't, she couldn't do anything. Right. Mm. They, she asked for a transfer and they, and nothing happened. Right. So we're literally locking women in cages with men, uh, violent men. And I think that, that's not right. And people need to stand up and say that that's inappropriate. Yeah, for sure. And even the, the opposite is true too. You know, if you're, um, you know, born biologically a woman and say, and say that you're a man and you put it in prison, 
like you're not going to stand a chance, you know, in, in a men's prison. Right. Um, I don't care if you're straight trans or, you know, I don't care what you are, you know, criminals are criminals and like they're opportunists. Right. And, and it's kind of like the jungle and the strongest survive. And obviously if you're you know, a biological man who's just naturally stronger than a woman and you say it's your woman, you're going to dominate in that environment. You know, and if you're, you know, biology woman stuck with a bunch of men, you know, you're going to get dominated in that environment, you know? So obviously like that needs to be looked at and they need to take a, a good look of like, you know, life in prison for these people, because obviously it's, it's not, um, it's not good for the environment in the prison. I know there's a lot of people like, well, they're, they're criminals, they're in prison, like who cares, you know, but you know, you still, you know, the you know human rights and it's just for humanity purposes yeah. like you still um you still don't want those activities happening um so uh well that's definitely something that needs to be looked at well i mean this this goes into a, a deeper conversation that we can have on culture wednesdays but the you know the prominent uh whole whole culture of of when a man says he's a woman Right. And you can say, okay, I don't really care what he does. But at the end of the day, this is where this stuff leads, right? It leads to mm. men saying they're women. Uh, and because we've said that just because a man says he's a woman, he's now a woman. Now he's being, you know, put in women's prison. Uh, you know, they're going to women's bathrooms, right? There's been multiple cases of, of men uh, raping women in women's bathrooms because they're allowed to use them. Right. There has to be lines drawn um, to protect women. Right. It's not to protect the man uh, necessarily. Mm -hmm. It's to, it's to protect the woman. And, uh, you know, this is when these things kind of cross a line and kind of what they lead to. Um, and that's something that we'll have to discuss on on Culture Wednesdays. But on the political side, like I said, not a ton of stuff going on right now. Uh you know, Biden went went to Ireland and uh, he's just kind of traveling around. Nothing really going on uh, in the House or the Senate. Um, I did see that uh, Jim Jordan is suing the D.A. of New York. Uh, and then the D.A. of New York, Alvin Braggs, uh, turned around and sued him back. So we'll have to watch and see how that plays out. Um, other than that, man that all i got on the political side dude it's kind of quiet normally yeah, they give us a lot to talk about that is there's there's not a whole lot going on uh do, do, do. um there's a new republican nominee asa hutchinson at, announced he's running for president as a republican i do uh, not know who that is He's a former Arkansas governor. He's also 72 years old, so he's not young. Uh, he's a conservative governor from the South who is opposed to Trump, but it, it isn't clear there's an appetite oh for Hutchinson's brand of politics I'm where so the MAGA base is. tired of these old guys. Ah, I don't want any more of them. Give me, I, yeah. I'm, I'm just staking my claim with, uh, uh, with, uh, wow. Pain, pain meds are kicking in here, Moni. You're going to have to help me out. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know what you're talking about. Florida so. governor. Oh, DeSantis. DeSantis. I'm going to state my claim with DeSantis. I really don't care who else gets in it. 
who who hasn't hasn't announced yet and you see trump's already throwing shade his way talking about his hands like putting hands or something have you seen have you seen this dude the guy won't leave him alone man he's threatened he's threatened by him you could you could you can tell uh he's uh, the biggest threat to trump because that's who really the only person trump trump's attacking right now so he's attacking his own party while you know joe biden is out there you know causing inflation our domestic or our uh, foreign policy is is so far out of whack you know our it's just like spend time on the things that matter not about trying to poke fun at desantis right at least desantis yeah. out there doing something trying to make his state yeah. better you know so, i'm just i'm anyway. tired of it well tired just wait it. if he's doing this if he's doing this now, wait until DeSantis announces because the, the mud will fly then for it's sure. It's going to be flung everywhere, brother. Everywhere. <laughs> well, right, uh, it is Friday. So it's give Friday. me your last uh, words for the week. Last words for the week. Um, like I think our, maybe our first episode, or second episode, we, we kind of were talking about race, right? And I, I told everyone to listen to that Joyner Lucas uh, on that racist song. And like, so at, at the very, very end of it, of the video, um, he just throws a little clip up and I, I thought it was kind of cool. Um, and it says, we, we were all human. Oh my gosh, I can't talk. We were all <laughs> humans until race disconnected us, religion separated us, politics divided us and wealth classified us. Um, and but I think at the end of the day, the very first sentence is the most important. It's like we're all human beings at the end of the day. Um, and we need to accept each other and just and, and and love each other, right? And like like your dad said, it's not hard just being good and just doing the right thing. You know, you don't have to call yourself a, a Christian or whatever, but like, you know, get get the negative ideas out of your head and let's let's push to to be to do good, right? And and, and you'll see a lot of things turn around. Money, that was really good, buddy. Um, that was really good. I don't think I can top that. So I think that <laughs> is going to <laughs> oh, speak speak for the both of us um, on on the end of the week. Very well said. Uh, we had a great, Thanks, man. Uh, great Culture Wednesdays. We've got some great uh, people coming up in the next couple of shows. So if there's something that you guys want us to talk about, Culture Wednesdays, uh, send us a message, comment like follow us subscribe uh do all the things on the social medias <laughs> and <laughs> do all the things on the on the do all interwebs the do all the things please Ooh. Ooh. right uh but other That's than right. that man i'm i'm good all right, you brother. good all right buddy I'm great. This is yeah. pj's podcast you get the three things that matter politics jesus and sports monty i love you brother i'll see you soon Love you, brother. All right, peace. All right, bye.